Hello and welcome to Lazada Insider, featuring knowledge that makes a difference. We share trusted insights, forward-looking perspectives, and exclusive expert interviews to keep you ahead of the curve. Hi, I'm your host Katrina, and welcome to Lazada Insider. We are dedicated to bring exclusive insights to you every week, so don't forget to follow this channel so that you will not miss any future episodes. According to Edelman Trust Barometer Report, 8 in 10 consumers globally cited trust as a deciding factor in a purchase decision. And 75% said they will continue to buy a brand they trust even if another brand suddenly becomes popular and trendy. Trust becomes even more important when it comes to online commerce because there's a lack of physical clues and interactions. A survey done by a trusted site showed that 92% of online consumers are concerned about shopping on unfamiliar sites. Today, we are very excited to be joined by expert guest Jake from GFK to share his insights and advices on how businesses can manage consumer trust. GFK is one of the largest market research organizations in the world, and Jake is the head of retail for GFK APAC. He has more than 20 years of experience of providing strategic insights to leading retailers across Europe and Asia Pacific to transform their businesses. He has also guested as expert at academic institutions, including Oxford University. Hi, Jake. Very welcome. And thank you for joining us today on Lazada Insider. Hello. Very happy to be here. Thank you very much for the introduction. But before we get into the insights on consumer trust, I'm very interested to hear more about what your position entails as the head of retail at GFK. Okay, so the retail function at GFK is really focused on working with our retail partners and to provide solutions to the challenges, support them on strategy and give them direction to drive growth. We help them adapt to changing environments and take advantage of new trends. So, for example, in recent times, one of the bigger challenges retailers have had to face is the digitization of retail. This has been an opportunity for many, but a challenge for some. So we've been helping them understand that. Brilliant. Let's start with talking about the concept of trust. How mm. would you define consumer trust? And are there any differences between online and offline commerce? So trust is really the foundation of any relationship. Um, so let's think about how that translates into retail. I would think about trust as removing barriers to purchase, or in other words, taking away a reason that somebody won't buy from you. Just in the same way that the location of a store, your price, your range of products can all be barriers to purchase. A lack of trust can also stop people coming to store to your buy. The difference with trust is it can be accumulative. You can build more and more of it over time, which will keep people coming back to your store and becoming loyal customers, which is really, as retailers, what we want, because we know that it's much easier to sell more to loyal customers than it is to acquire and attract new customers. So when we talk about trust and activities that build trust, we should really think of things that can help us multiply our sales over time. Take an example, if you think about when you buy something, it could be anything, it could be big, it could be small. Um, but let's start with something small. If you go into the store to buy something small, what you want is to make sure the store gives you something that works and it fulfills the need that you have at that time. If it's a low value, so not very expensive, then maybe you don't want much more than that. 
So your expectations on trust are, are relatively low. But if you think of a bigger item, a more expensive item, now your expectations around trust will be higher because you're going to have a higher expectation from the store because the ticket price has gone up. Maybe you expect a better experience during the sales process, a better level of service, greater reassurances that the product will fulfill the needs you have, but also some more guarantees that if things start to go wrong and there's a problem later, you have somewhere to go to get it resolved. Your need to trust the seller is much higher this time around, and so the seller has to work harder to build trust. If the shoppers trust you to deliver on their expectations, then it really becomes an enabler to sales, and more importantly, to repeat sales and building a loyal shopper base. Trust does differ between online and offline commerce. If you think about that example, then offline commerce does have some clear advantages. Um, it has that physical presence. And two of the most important drivers to the trust were having the, the physical presence, the store experience, um, but also somewhere to go to resolve issues. So the offline store has a benefit in the physical presence, and it can also provide an in-store experience. And this is where many offline retailers are now focusing. It's not just about sales, but it's about the whole ambience of the store, what people get to try, they get to touch and feel within a store. Also, because they're physical, I think there's more reassurance that they'll be there to resolve problems. And for example, to illustrate this, if you buy a TV from an electrical store, and it breaks the next month. Um, you can be fairly confident the store will still be there and you'll have somewhere to return it to and talk to the problems. However, this may not be the case with an online seller. And I think online shoppers understand this and therefore when we do our research, we see different expectations of online commerce. Um, the expectations of shoppers are offline is about experience, it's about service, maybe even a little bit more about quality, um, whereas online is more about efficiency and price. So therefore, the trust for the online sellers is, is a different thing. It can be more about the ease of finding the products, the quality of the information provided, responsiveness of the seller, and how you resolve problems. These are all things that can drive trust and repeat purchases. One of the other trust issues, which is still important for shoppers when they think about online commerce, is the amount of data you need to share to buy online versus, for example, going into a store and paying cash um, in an offline store. Research that we did showed that 62% of people in Asia are still concerned about the amount of personal data that they have to give away um, when they make an online purchase. Um, this still seems relatively high and is definitely significant and something that, that sellers and retailers online should definitely be thinking about and making sure that they give reassurances to help build trust. Um, one of the ways that they can do this is being part of a larger platform, because obviously that helps support the smaller retailers digitize their business, and they can benefit from the larger platform's reputation for security and data protection as well. Yeah, I really loved how you define trust very nicely in the retail setting as removing a barrier to purchase. And thank you for the elaboration, especially, you know, to the online sellers. And we know that trust is certainly very crucial for online mm -hmm. sellers to seal the deal. But building trust might not be that easy. So in your opinion, mm -hmm. what are the key challenges in building up consumer trust? Yeah, particularly in an online space, the challenge really for sellers is as we've said, online expectations from shoppers are about price and efficiency. 
um, which can make the relationship a little bit transactional at times um, compared to, for example, in an offline store where you have more of a physical presence and maybe even people talking to you and, and engaging to you. So the challenge is really to turn that transactional relationship into something that can help build trust. And really the key, the fundamental place to start is to think about how you attract the shopper. Um, this in itself can be difficult in a very crowded market. So you, you really need to think about what makes you stand out um, against all the other sellers, all the other stores online. Or as one retail CEO used to always say to me, um, what do you want to be famous for? So what do you want to be most associated with? And different associations um, will attract different types of shoppers. Um, so shoppers will identify with different types of stores depending on their own preferences, depending on what they're looking for um, at that time. So think about the kind of people you want to appeal to. Is it shoppers who focus on design and style or ones who only want low price and ease of use? And this really influences how you position yourself um, with messaging and images. Once you've attracted attention, then it's about how do you establish the relationship. As with anything, you have to introduce yourself and your positioning on your page by telling them what you stand for and what you can deliver to them. You can do this with a focus on images and product descriptions. It could be about your engagement strategy, your brand story, and the source of information you give in the FAQ, for example. Now, hopefully, we've got to the position where a shopper knows about you and they're in the consideration phase for you. If we look at a shopper journey, the next stage would be really, would you consider to buy from here? Um, so now you've got them considering, you have to start to remove the other barriers. And this is really where trust comes into play. And one of the quickest ways, particularly online, of building trust is referrals and reviews. Um, this is more important in APAC than it is anywhere else in the world. When we do our research, um, we ask them, people, would you rate an online store? Would you leave a review? In Asia Pacific, 25% of people um, say that they would rate a store out of a star rating, whereas 48% will, will actually leave, take the time to leave a, a review. And these are the highest scores that we see globally from, from any of the regions. Here, people are also more likely to buy on the basis of a good review. And this in, continues to increase. So it just shows how important um, the reviews and the ratings can be um, to help people build trust and also confidence in the site as well. When we do our research, the biggest reason that people leave reviews is really about service and delivering on commitments. Um, so saying what you do and building that trust. The trust then becomes, in a way, kind of self-perpetuating because other people see it as well and gain confidence. So it kind of works as a virtuous circle, hopefully, and this is what we want to try and um, to develop. Another way of building trust is to focus on good, clear communication. Um, for example, I have bought from sellers personally um, who directly message people to clarify the order and to start that level of engagement, start to build that relationship and to talk about individual arrangements for delivery, for example, or maybe sometimes even other products that they might have in the store as well. This is a great opportunity, I think, for sellers to take the engagement up a notch, to take it to the next level and um, with the potential shopper, and also maybe help you develop future sales. From a shopper's perspective, if somebody takes the time to do that and has that kind of personal touch, it also strengthens the relationship and gives you more trust that they're going to be able to deliver on what they say. 
Yeah, thank you. And you already shared some great ways that businesses and sellers can build trust. I'm actually very keen to deep dive more into this. So how could businesses overtake this challenge of transforming a transactional relationship into something that build trust? So I would say there are three things to focus on. Um, and we'll talk about each one in turn. So consistency, uh, transparency, and then issue resolution as well. And the reason I chose some of these things is because when we do our research and we say, why would you leave a good review? Why would you leave a poor review? These are some of the kind of key themes that come up from shoppers. So I think if we get some basics right around here, um, then we're in a very good position to have a good relationship um, with the shopper. So first of all, let's talk about consistency. Um, when I talk about consistency, what I'm thinking about is having the same level of focus you put on your product images that you do on your FAQ, that you do to your after-sales service, and making sure that level is as high as it can be. Every time the shopper sees something for you, from you, sorry, or comes into contact with you, make sure it's the same standard, the same high level across all. If you can maintain the level of consistency, then shoppers associate that you can maintain this high level of service to them as well. I'm sure everybody has had experiences where we've had some degree of marketing, uh, some marketing communication, marketing information, um, and then we've actually gone to find the actual service, and it, it's been a, a bit of a letdown. Um, so I'm sure everybody has that experience, uh, whether it's in a restaurant or a promotion at a store. This, in a way, is kind of the worst case scenario, because I think if you set an expectation and then fail to meet it, people feel that like they're losing things. And research shows, psychological research shows that actually um, a loss is twice as powerful as a gain. So if you lose something, um, you feel twice as bad about it than the, as, as you would if you gained something. Um, so therefore, you can actually create a negative impact from a shopper by not being consistent and not being able to deliver on your messaging. The second one would be transparency. And, and this is um, really about being very, very clear um, on the information that you're giving to the shopper, but also being open as well. I think shoppers these days really want to understand the information. They want you to deliver on what you can say, and they want that to be very transparent. Um, so if a product information or delivery timelines are not clear or not delivered on, this is one of the key reasons that they, they leave bad reviews. Um, so, for example, if you have slight longer delivery timelines um, or there's something very peculiar about the product that people should know, then say so up front. Um, don't try and hide it and let the, let the shopper find out themselves later. Because if you can't do it and you, you do, they do find out themselves later, then that's much more likely to generate them to leave a bad review. Thinking about your say-do ratio is very important here. So I think we've touched a couple of times on meeting your commitments, but don't make the commitments that you can't meet. You know, I mean, think, think personally how frustrating some things are. Um, for example, if you need to get to the airport and your grab driver cancels at last minute or you're hungry and, and your delivery order gets canceled at the restaurant, um, letting down those commitments um, generates a lot of dissatisfaction. And it's exactly the same with shoppers. If they, if they commit to something, they've considered you, they've decided they're going to buy from you, and then you can't deliver it for something you didn't talk about earlier, then that has a big impact on how they will perceive your store. Okay. And finally, issue resolution. Um, 
items not being delivered or delivered late or broken is one of the key drivers of poor reviews. But we all know that in retail, particularly when we're dealing with delivery and we're shipping things, things happen. And it's unavoidable. It's just kind of part of the process. The key thing for me is really thinking about how you can turn that situation around to a positive one. And this is all about good issue resolution. If a transaction goes smoothly, the opportunities that you have to engage with the shopper are actually relatively limited. But in a strange way, when something goes wrong, you have more opportunities to engage and show that you can work to make things right. And when we look at what generates good reviews and bad reviews, actually resolving issues is one of the key reasons that people leave good reviews. So even though something went wrong in the process, something may have caused them to be dissatisfied because the seller worked so hard to put it right, and they ended up leaving a very good review. And if you think as a shopper, um, most of the time, if you go to an online store, such word, fingers crossed, you don't get to see how the issue resolution is because most of the time transactions go smoothly. So how do you know how good somebody's issue resolution is? How do you have a confidence and trust that if something goes wrong, they're going to be able to fix it? One of the key ways is looking at reviews to see how they fix other people's problems. So if somebody has had a problem and the seller has done a great job and fixed it in a fantastic way, then that will give the next shopper who comes along some confidence that hey, something might go wrong. Um, it's, it's a small chance that something might go wrong, but if it does, then at least now I can see what they did for this other person and I can understand how they fix it. Okay? So in a strange way, issue resolution should be seen as an opportunity, um, not necessarily a 100% bad thing. It gives you an opportunity to shine and see how you can fix things. And well, the great paradox of trust, and you mentioned several times in the last section as well, is that trust can be hard to build and very easy to break. Um, and I'm very interested to know more about what you mentioned about issue resolution. I think it's something very interesting. Mm. If a consumer encounters any negative experience with products or brands, how could business rebuild that consumer trust? Tell us more. For sure. I think, um, as we said, it's an important point in the relationship. Hopefully all transactions go smoothly, but we know in reality they, they don't. It doesn't work like that. Um, so it's a really important part in any relationship. How do you fix things when they, when they start to go wrong? So for me, I think the first thing would be to not panic, um, acknowledge things have not gone to plan, and try and empathize with the shopper to show them that you understand why they're unhappy and that you haven't met their expectations, but also that you're not happy that you haven't met their expectations. As, as an example from, from myself, I really recently ordered something from Mother's Day uh, for my mother. It was from a very, very reputable store in the UK with many, many years of trading history and a, a kind of a, a legacy of, of trust they've built up over many, many years that, that, that they tend to deliver. Um, on this occasion, they didn't deliver the full gift package, so I had to contact them um, to discuss it. And the first thing that they did was apologize and recognize that this must have made me very unhappy, that they were not able to fulfill what I needed and the impact that it had on me, but also my mother, because it was a gift for her. And they also acknowledged that they were not happy, that they had not met their standards of service as well. 
And because they took this approach and were empathetic and obviously understood that I wasn't happy, I kind of felt um, much softer towards them. And, and then we started to move on to, okay, how do, we, how do we fix the problem? When you come to fixing the problem, the key thing is to show the shopper you're going to own the problem and you're going to work very hard to make sure that you can resolve it and do everything you can to resolve it. And this will really help when we start to talk about how they review how you manage the issue. And you have to take full ownership of it. Make some commitments to what you're going to do and make sure that you hit them as well to show the shopper that, yes, something went wrong, but that was a one-off. Next time we make this commitment, we're going to be able to hit it. Um, so in my example, again, for the Mother's Day gift, they said they would re-deliver two days later, and they did, um, which made me very satisfied that they were able to take ownership of the issue and resolve it very quickly in a way that they said. The third thing, then, is, is to make amends. Um, you know, this is a great opportunity, again, to engage with the shopper um, and delight the shopper and try and push them to, to leave you a very strong review. Think about how you can go above and beyond to make things right. I've heard examples where some stores re-deliver full sets when one in the set is broken, or they send out free gifts, for example, with the, with the replacement item. In my example, the store reset the whole order, even though only one part it was missing. Now, this was more than I expected them to do. I only expected them to do the part that was missing. So this immediately made me think this is beyond the initial commitment that they'd made. And a real sign they'd understood how unhappy it was and how keen they were to put it right. And then finally, re-engage the shopper as well. Show that you care how they feel. Ask if everything has been resolved to their satisfaction with a follow-up message. Let them know how concerned you are. Um, about what's happened and about how concerned you are with making them happy with the service that they receive from you. Hopefully, this will prompt them to move something that could have been a bad review um, into a good review. But also, as we said before, it will then demonstrate to other potential shoppers who are still considering you how you deal with this kind of situation. And so elevate the trust that they could have in you to deliver as well. So. Just to sum up, when we talk about trust in retail and building trust, I guess sometimes it might seem kind of abstract um, and maybe not really as important as some of the kind of day-to-day -day things um, like stock management and sales fulfillment. Um, but I would encourage you to think about it really as an enabler of sales and more a magnifier of, of future sales because it's a way of building up a loyal shopper base taking every engagement opportunity to build trust, to get more good reviews from shoppers, which we know is a key driver of why people trust as well. It becomes a virtuous circle. The more you build, the more you demonstrate it, the more people are more likely to purchase from the store because you're removing barriers. And finally, when things go wrong, take that as an opportunity as well. Take it as an engagement opportunity to showcase to the shopper with the problem that you can really own things and you can really fix things, but not just to them, because hopefully they'll read a review. So then what you're doing is you're showcasing to everybody else that this is how you fix it as well. And you know how much you care about putting things right and delivering a good service, which really is the basis of trust.
Excellent, excellent sharing, Jake. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you very much, Jake. Your sharing was very inspiring and insightful. You're welcome. Thank you very much. This is Lizad Insider. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you click follow and subscribe so you don't miss our latest insights and expert interviews. Thanks again for joining us. Until next time, take care. La